good morning. It's so good to have so many people collaborating together here up front, and each person brings their gift to our services together, and I so much appreciate it. Thank you, Beth, for leading us in that Lectio Divina that helps us to just think about what does, who is Jesus? And that, that's really what we are talking about in this sermon series. Uh, we're doing a sermon series on the book of John, but we're looking at it through the lens of who is this Jesus. In that story in Mark, he shows his power over creation. And I love that. That's so, that's so good to uh, hear that word for us today. And I'm sure there were a number of things that God was doing in various hearts in the room as we think about a passage like that together. But we want to continue on in the book of John, the Gospel of John. And last week, we kind of focused on uh, the first two verses of the Gospel of John. And today, we're going to tackle verses three through five. So at this rate, we should be through the Gospel of John by 2027. <laughs> no, I promise we will pick up the pace here in the next little while. But, uh, and we're not going to hit every verse of the Gospel of John. We are going to look at it through this lens of who is Jesus. Last week, we talked about Jesus is God, and that'll come up again, of course, and it kind of comes up in that passage uh, in Mark as well. But today, we're going to talk a little bit more about Jesus is creator. Um, and this whole business of taking a long time to get through something kind of reminds me of my first-year Bible college professor who was supposed to teach the course on the book of Genesis. And we, it was a four-month course. We spent the first three months in Genesis chapter 1, <laughs> and then we sped through the next 49 chapters of Genesis in the last month of that. We're not going to do that here. We're going to just uh, take our time and understand what we're doing here in the Gospel of John. So let's read this uh, passage in John chapter 1. And let's begin, let's go back and read verses 1 and 2 again. So we just keep everything in context. And then we're going to focus mostly on 3 through 5. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Then verse 3 here, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. There's a few words in here I want us to keep in mind as we go through this, this passage and as we look at some other passages this morning. I want you to pay attention to that word, word. We talked about it a fair bit last week. We know that it's the word logos in the Greek, and we spent quite a bit of time talking about that word, meaning that Jesus was there in the beginning, right? And, but I also want you to keep an eye on words like life, and light and darkness, okay? Because those are going to come up again in other passages that we look at here together. But verses 3 through 5 are talking largely about the creation and that Jesus was there in the midst of the creation. Let's make sure we've got the logic down here. In the beginning, the Logos, or Jesus, existed, this passage tells us. The Logos is with God. The Logos, Jesus, is God. The Logos existed in the beginning with God. 
So John makes it clear in this section and other places that the Logos is Jesus. So the Logos is there at the beginning of the creation. And then he adds in this concept that everything was created through the Logos. And then in, in good Hebrew fashion, this is how we, another one of the evidences that John is the author of this gospel. In good Hebrew fashion, John emphasizes the point by saying the same thing over again in kind of a negative way. He says the word, um, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. Very Jewish concept there. And that's how uh, John is drawing to our attention that God created everything, that Jesus, through Jesus, God created everything. I feel a little bit like Julie Andrews in the movie Sound of Music. Let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. When you read, you begin with, when you sing, you begin with, there we go. All right. Thanks for not letting me down. That's awesome. That's good. Um, thanks for joining in on the sing-along. But you'll notice in, in that song when Julie Andrews says, she says, wait, come, wait, I'll make it easier for you. Right? And then she goes into, do, re, mi. Anyway, you know the story. You know the song. I won't sing any more of it for you. But the point is, we pastors are kind of given that job. The job we have to do is we get to, I get to study in my Bible as much as I want in the week, right? There's a few other things I'm doing in the week, of course, but I get to study a passage and look it over and dig into commentaries and dictionaries and theological studies and kind of see what's going on in a passage. And then I come here and I try and make it a little easier for you, right? For us all to understand it together. And we're working together to understand what this is. And it's a great privilege to be able to try and help us understand a passage like this. But I want to, like Julie Andrews, start at the very beginning. And let's go back. We've read what John says in John chapter 1. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 for a minute. Now remember I said, watch those words like beginning, word, uh, light, life, and let's look for those reoccurrences in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. So let's read that one together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. So both the uh, Gospel of John and Genesis 1 both start with those same three words, in the beginning. And we also see the words there of the Spirit of God hovering over the surface of the water. So already we're kind of aware that God the Father is there, the Holy Spirit is there, and John tells us in the Gospel of John that the Word is there, that Jesus is there. Now we have to dig a little bit deeper to see that, but the fact is the word there in verses, uh, verse 3 of Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. 
God spoke, God used word, and things were created. So this is that connection between John's gospel and the Genesis account. That the, the, uh, the word is there in both cases. All right. Then he goes on to say, let there be light, and there was light on the first day. So now, when you look at that passage, the day one, all God creates is light. And you might think, wow, that wasn't a very productive day for God. All he did was create light on that first day. But then think about that for a minute. Think about how, how, what frequencies of light did he make? What wavelengths of light did he make? Well, of course, all of them, right? He made everything from microwaves to radio waves. He created all forms of electromagnetic energy at that time. In fact, what he's doing there in day one is creating energy. Now, we understand that a little bit more now in the time that we live in, that energy can be converted to matter. And so what we've got here is right here in the Bible, long before Einstein came up with it, is the the concept of E equals MC squared. God was creating all of the energy of the universe in that moment that he will spend the next Uh, next five days after the first day, he'll spend the next five days creating matter out of that energy. Einstein's famous equation says energy equals mass times uh, the the speed of light squared, okay, right? It took uh, Einstein until 1905 to discover that. God was doing it long before humans knew about it. God knew how to create energy, and God knew how to create matter, and he knew how to convert the two into each other, right? So uh, that's all going on there in that first few verses of Genesis. That is the kind of God we have. Let's go on and read in verses 6 through 13. God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth, and that's what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed, morning came, marking the second day. So on the second day, we see some of that energy converted into matter. We see uh, seas and sky created in that second day. Then God says, let the waters beneath the sky flow together in one place so dry ground may appear. And that's what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water sea. God saw that it was good. And so we see more matter, more mass, more dirt and earth being created on that day. And then God, uh, then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they come. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. These seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. So here on the third day, we see the first evidence of life being created, right? We've seen inanimate things made up till that point, but now we've got life being made. We've got vegetation being made, things that are alive. 
I'm not going to read all of that uh, first chapter of Genesis. We're going to jump down here and then we'll summarize it in a moment. But in verse 20, we read, Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. So day five, day five is animal life. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. In verse 26, I've jumped ahead there a little bit for you. Verse 26 says, let, the, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So let's just kind of do the broad strokes here. Day one, we see light and energy created. Day two, we see sea and sky, forms of matter that are created. Day three, we see a little more matter, dirt and earth, and life begins to be made on, verse, on day three. Day four, Moon, stars, and sun, more matter. Day five, animals. And then day six, humans are made in God's image. So, but let's remember that in the midst of all of this, the Trinitarian God is there in the midst of all of this. Jesus, the word of God, the logos of John chapter one, and the Holy Spirit is there, and God the Father is also there. So we've seen The creation explained in John chapter 1, we see it explained in Genesis 1, but there's a couple other places in the New Testament where the creation is explained. Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. There, it's a a kind of a hymn to Christ, but it's also a story of creation. Colossians 1, 15 through 17 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Again, we see that Jesus is there in the creation. Everything is created through Jesus and for him, and he holds all creation together. So John 1 tells us that. Genesis tells us that to some degree. And then in Colossians, we see it again. And one more place we're going to look at, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago... God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. So, all of that to tell us that we see 
Jesus there in all of these creation stories. That he is there at the heart of it. All things were created through Jesus. Jesus is that creator. There's ample scripture to inform us of that. But where are we going with all of this? What, what does that mean? What's the take-home message for me? What's the take-home message for you? Why is it important to realize that Jesus is creator? Why is it important to think about these things? Well, again, we need to be reminded that Jesus created the universe. There are a lot of ideas floating around in our world of how the universe came to be, aren't there? I want to take us back to um, that that um, quote that I gave you last week, actually, in the message. And it's a quote from Leslie Newbigin. He says, If we ask the fundamental question of the philosopher, why is there not nothing? The answer is that in the beginning was the word. Leslie Newbigin is saying, We look around the world and we see that there is something. And we have to ask the question, why is there something? That's kind of the the one question that the philosophers and the scientists can't answer. Why is there something rather than nothing? Why, Why do we exist at all? Why does the universe exist at all? And Leslie Newbigin says the answer is simple. It's there in our Bibles. It's in John uh, chapter 1. It's in Genesis chapter 1. It's in Colossians chapter 1. It's in Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus. The answer is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, the Trinitarian God is the creator of the universe. That's something to hang on to. Uh, Scientists and philosophers have tried to solve that problem in the past. Stephen Hawking tried to solve why there is a universe rather than no universe. And philosophers and other scientists will say he failed to solve the question before he passed away. God is the answer. Why is there a universe? God. Why do we exist? Because All the universe was created through Jesus, okay? So that's the first thing we hang on to in this whole um, discussion of Jesus as creator. Why is there something rather than nothing? Jesus. Now, the majority of people in our world will go go about their day-to-day lives and will not think much about the creation and how God and creation uh, are connected. But we as followers of Jesus will certainly want to pay attention to the nature around us. Now, I know it has been a little gray here in Simcoe for a few weeks. Coming from Alberta, where we actually have a lot more sun through the winter, a lot more cold in the winter, but we have a little more sun in the winter, I've noticed how gray it's been this past week. And so maybe you haven't gotten out too much this week. But today is a bright, sunny day. One day this week or today, maybe go out and go for a walk and just remind yourselves of the amazing creation that God has given us. And and think about how Jesus, that the Trinitarian God, created the universe through Jesus. And think about how we see the universe as followers of Jesus. Now, I don't want you to worship 
nature. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're seeing that God created the universe, and we're looking for God's handiwork in creation. Bruce Milne, in a commentary uh, on the Gospel of John, says, while we are not to worship the creation, as is the tendency of New Age and other teachings, we should certainly care about it and be actively involved in its preservation. John's prologue, this first chapter of the Gospel of John, is a green statement, he says. Now, this is a guy writing back in 1993. He wasn't writing yesterday. But he sees in this passage that this is a green statement. He says that species are being exterminated, or sorry, that species are being exterminated, forests are being denuded, uh, soil eroded, rivers and seas polluted, and the ozone layer depleted contradicts the creative action of our Lord Jesus Christ who called all things into being. We look for Jesus in the creation and then we care about the creation, don't we? We, we don't want to destroy creation. We want to care for it and we want to take care of it. It's kind of like that, that song that we sing sometimes. It's, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. It's your universe, God, and so we want to take care of it together. But what else? Uh, there's a few other things that fall out from Jesus as creator. Uh, I would say we also look for, we look for Jesus in the creation, but we also then look for Jesus in everyone we meet. Day six is when God creates all of humanity in his image. And so everyone we meet bears the image of God. Everyone we meet, we have the potential for seeing the face of Christ in them. And so we, I think that's another of the implications of what we're seeing here in John and in Genesis and Colossians and in Hebrews, that we look for Jesus in all people. What is Jesus doing in that person's life right now? Uh, a songwriter that I've appreciated much of his writing, I know the man has fallen out of favor these days, fallen from grace, but a man by the name of Chris Rice wrote a song that says, uh, that's called The Face of Christ. And he says, if you find yourself in a better place, you got to stoop down, or, sorry, you can't look down on the frown on the other guy's face. You got to stoop down low, look him square in the eye, and get a funny feeling. You just might be dealing with the face of Christ. Because Jesus is creator, we see him in nature. We see him in people. And we honor that in the creation and in people. Jesus is creator. Jesus is sustainer. Jesus is in nature. Jesus' image is in each person. How will that change our lives this week? Would you pray with me? Lord, we turn to you knowing that in this mysterious way that is so hard for us to understand, that you, Jesus, who walked upon the earth, are also the same God that was there at the creation of all of the universe. That you made light and matter. You knew that energy could be converted into matter. You knew all of these things that we struggle now to understand. 
And you also put your image in each person. You put your image in, in each of us in this room. But you also put your image in people that don't look like us, that aren't our best friends. But everywhere we look, you are there in nature and you are in other people. May we honor your image in, uh, in nature. May we honor your image in your people. May we see you in all of these places in our lives. Lord Jesus, you are creator, and we honor you. And it's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that we pray these things. Amen.